So there are a lot of physical things I could talk about right now. Uh, I'll just, without going into them though, I'd rather go into the big physical thing, the big universe, but I'll just mention that there are some safety nets that we have happening around you that we're not talking about. So we're watching what's happening and we're looking out for you. We're so thankful you're here and we're, we care about you. Um, having said that, um, I, to, today I'd like to start, and excuse me, I, um, I see Michael's papers flying a lot because it's hot up here. So what I did is I stapled mine together. So my Bible verses are here, and we'll see if this works. Um, but I'd like to go ahead and talk to you today about first things. We're talking first things in the universe before we ever got here. So let's, sometimes it's helpful to like step back and look at the big picture. So in the big picture, let me just say what we know now is that we are alive at the best time ever to see the universe. And we're in the right place on our spiral. Speaking of hurricane spirals, we're in a galaxy spiral, um, the Milky Way. I'm going to turn this. And, but what we see when you look out there is only 0.27% that's it. That's all we see. That means 0.27 divided by 100. And you look out there and you go, oh, okay, that makes sense. But if you really think about it, that's huge. There's so much we don't see. In fact, planets and asteroids, I'm going to talk about asteroids, they're only, let me see if you get the zeros right here, 0.0001%. All the planets and all the asteroids we can't see. The time it took to put all this together, um, it was about 14 billion years. Everything had to be perfect. We're talking a designer that designs at 10 to the minus 25th meters. Like, he is so perfect. The best we can do in terms of our design, in terms of our instrumentation, is 10 to the minus 25th. So however long we're alive and, and humanity advances, we will never get to the perfection of God. Why would he do that? Because if you think about it, humans only came on the scene about 10,000 years ago, and we're not going to live that much longer. The sun's going to go in about 15 million years. This is a special time in history. That's why I'm saying we step back, we look at it, and as time goes through, time goes on, and exosolar scientists are looking and looking and looking. It looks like there's no other planet with advanced life. The more they look, the more they see that, that's, that, that it's not there. So, for example, I'll just talk about the moon. There's a book about this in 1993. Um, and in this book, this scientist, I think his name is Commons, C-O-M-I-N-S, looked at how the moon is perfect for advanced life. Other planets that don't have moons, they don't have something that works with tides, that clean out the toxins, and that bring in new resources. Isn't that incredible? God knew we were dirty people. I'm so excited. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Actually, we really even should be in a cold spell right now, but we've done such a good job of like heating it up a little bit. We're actually okay. God is so good to know what we were like. That's amazing to me. So what is it about then? What's the purpose of all that? So Hugh Ross has this great analogy. He says... It's kind of like, but on a much massive, more massive scale, like a wedding. When you get married, I don't know how much you guys spent on your wedding, but, you know, it's for maybe four or five hours. The average person spends, in California, $29,000 on their wedding. That works out for about five hours, a whopping $5,800 per hour. That's about $6,000, uh, so about $6,000 an hour, because it makes it easy for the, the minutes, which makes it $100 a minute. Why? Because something precious is happening. A wedding. Jesus' first miracle, a wedding. God has designed this universe perhaps for a wedding. So Freeman Dyson and Stephen Hawking, let me just mention them. Two physicists, and you know Hawking is an astrophysicist. Here are my notes. This is what they said. Freeman Dyson says, the more I examine the universe and study the details of its architecture, 
the more evidence I find that the universe, in some sense, must have known we were coming. Stephen Hawking, in A Brief History of Time, writes, it would be very difficult to explain why the universe should have begun in just this way, except as the act of a god who intended to create beings like you. The purpose is there. We can either live outside of it and skim the surface of all that and forget about it, or we can enter into a deep love that has a purpose for the universe and has a purpose for you. How about you? I choose to move into that. It's not easy. Sometimes it's overwhelming. I mean, I'm pretty overwhelmed. I've been watching a hurricane now for a few days going, where is this thing going? Overwhelming. Thank God for overwhelming. I feel like he's doing that today because, you know, there's layers and layers of reality. Physics shows you've got this little bit of light out there, but there's so much more. That means 0.999 plus percent. You don't see it out there. And Revelation says that there's going to be a day where things roll up. For those of you who believe in string theory, membrane theory, that makes sense. What is going to be revealed? I believe what's going to be revealed is something that today God wants to get us ready for. It's beyond the layers of physical reality, our spiritual reality. We were all created to know it. That is why you're here. That is our biggest job. No matter if you're the president of the United States or whoever, your biggest job is to figure out the spiritual universe and move forward in it. And I just want to say a hello right now to Donnie and to, hello, the Hollands. Can you pronounce your name for me? Is it Nina? Nina. Nina. So we just want to welcome them. I just saw them. So we've been praying for them. Talk about purpose of God. So God has done so much. Donnie, when he left, he left and God has brought him back with an amazing Um, purpose that's already in action. So we've been praying for you guys, and we're so thankful for you. We have been praying for you. God bless you. So let me just read Psalm 104 right now that gives a picture of that. And today we, in worship, we saw of it, a little bit of this. So Psalm 104, verse 19. Before I say that, let me just say, Psalm 100 says this, know that the Lord... Your God is your creator. God wants you to know it. So I'm here trying to really share that with you the best I can. May I be hidden. May God show you he's the creator. That means, in Hebrew, Jehovah is Elohim. Jehovah is Elohim. It's not X is X, Y is Y. It's like, no, you're in a whole nother dimension of God. You know there's dimensions of God? That's why God has these different names It's still the same God, but we're getting into the dimensions of God that are way beyond what we can ever know. So here's a picture from Psalm 100 of our creator, verse 19. He made the moon to mark the seasons, and we know now to clean up our tides. And the sun knows when to go down. You bring darkness. It becomes night. And all the beasts of the forest prowl. Hugh Ross says it probably helps us to rest. We would never enter that rest. Darkness helps. The lions roar for their prey and seek their food from God. The sun rises and they steal away. They return and lie down in their dens. That's good for us too, right? We don't want the lions out there when our children are out there. Then people go out to their work, to their labor until evening. How many are your works, Lord? In wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. There's the sea, vast and spacious, teeming with creatures beyond number, living things both large and small. There the ships go to and fro, and Leviathan, which you frolic there. All creatures look to you to give them their food at the proper time. All creatures look to you to give them their food at the proper time. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they're satisfied with good things. When you hide your face, they're terrified. I'll stop there. So we're seeing this amazing thing that God is a God that takes care of that which he makes. He takes animals. 
He takes care of you and me. You know, the animals have the food and so do we. Do you know we have spiritual food too? Because we're not like the animals. We're another layer. Animals are here. We're another layer. Bible says we're just a little lower than the angels. Have you ever seen an angel? Maybe some of you have. Yes, I know. But we're just a little lower. We're spirits. Every person around here is a spirit. And so what God is doing is he's working to give us food because a lot of us are starving, we're hungry, and we're thirsty. And so that's what I'm going to talk to you a little bit about today. Let me just say one more thing about how rich God is. So it would be very... Um, newatlas.com. This is June 7th, 2023. NASA has um, given the okay to its long-delayed U.S. 985 million um, Psyche asteroid deep space mission to explore a metal-reach asteroid also called Psyche. That may be worth as much as 10 quadrillion dollars. Cool, huh? 90 times the world's entire so cool. Could God have landed it here? Absolutely. He didn't. It's not what God's about. Not all that stuff, all the gold and silver, but he's, it's out there and they're after it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Bless us. Um, it is often difficult to grasp the scale. It's hard to think of it in human terms. Because of this, it's very easy to imagine that the moon is small enough to walk across in an afternoon instead of having the surface area of Africa, or that the Martian road is enough wealth in the belt between Mars. Okay, so let me just go beyond Psyche. It's beyond Tanquadrilla. Every one of you a $100 billion check today. Nice. Are you taken care of? We are. But our food is a different kind of food. Our resources. We need something much better than that. 10 to the minus 25th, we can see all the food is, you know, wow. Maybe at the micro level, the nano, pico, you know, we can get down. But God is giving you a food that's so good, it's 10 to the minus 25th. Let me just read Psalm 140, and this is going to be our major um, passage today. Psalm 40. This is in the CSB. I waited patiently for the Lord. Do you remember that? Remember the animals? I waited patiently. Here comes our food. And he turned to me. And he heard my cry for help. He brought me up out of a desolate pit, miry clay. He set my foot on a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and they will trust in God. Talk about purpose. They will trust in God. How happy is anyone who has put his trust in the Lord and has not turned to the proud? Or to those who run after lies, or maybe those who are running after asteroids, although I, I'm not saying I wouldn't do it if I were there, but reasoning for doing things in our lives. Lord my God, verse 5, you have done many things. Your wondrous works and your plans for us, none can compare with you. If I were to report and speak of them, they are more than can be told. You do not de- In sacrifice and offering, you open ears to listen. You do not ask for a whole burnt offering or a sin offering. And we'll just stop right there. We see that like Psalm 104, there's a patience and there's a waiting patiently on God. Not because it's not coming, because it's building. The universe was building the entire time. God was making sure those electrons and the hydrogen was coming together, making more and more. But the patience has an effect on God. You're in the miry clay and you call out. God turns to you. God turns and he stops. 
broken us. He takes us out of miry places, messy places. For me, it started way before college, like for many of us, right? It probably started in high school. It's how I used to study. I used to be really good at motivating myself by fear. I think my eldest daughter kind of talked about this, and I realized, huh, I think I've been doing that. I did that too. So pass that down, and I'm praying for all of this, that it will not happen for us. But it was a miry clay, because it worked for a while and through college. But after a while, it's a lot of pressing in through fear. I'd imagine the worst that could happen. Oh my gosh, if I don't do this, what's going to happen? What are they going to think? What's the professor going to do? That began to be the force field in my life. It was a miry clay. So by the time in 1989, yes, that's a while ago, I started working at JPL, I did very well because this, I was a strong Christian. I was leading worship at a church across the street of the highway. We saw God do miracles. We went to, can you imagine, uh, thousands of people went to um, contemporary worship because of our little small worship team and somebody. God did all that, but something was still not there for me. So as a result, wonderful things would happen, and I would not have much emotion about it. I wouldn't think it's that exciting. And then bad things would happen, same thing, because that's how I was making it through. My soul was squeezing my spirit. I wasn't being fed by God. The deep of God calling out to me couldn't find a way in. My door, my door was shut, too small. So I do what usually you do, especially Christians. We do this a lot. I went to counseling. I spent a year in counseling. She could tell me a lot, but never really got to anything that released me. So around this time, I met Michael. I avoided meeting Michael. I've shared that story with you. My friends wanted me to meet him. I was sick at home one day. I said, no, no, no. They got me, and they brought me to meet Michael. And when I met Michael, he prayed for me. Now, this was a man, and is a man. And by the way, I'll stop. If we lose any power... We have put on multimedia the sermon Michael just preached in Malaysia. That's where Michael is. So it's up. And he's probably sleeping right now, 3 a.m. So I met Michael after um, meeting him, um, after avoiding him. So he prayed for me. His ears were opened. I had heard about a church plant. I moved down here for a church plant that was supposed to be across the street, and it failed. So I gave up. I'm like, God, I don't know. That I heard from you, I thought. I'm just stopping. Don't tell me about what anybody's doing. That's why God had to overwhelm me with a miracle. Sometimes he does that. When Michael prayed for me, he's someone who has that instrument. He has that instrument that can get into deeper places. He can see the spiritual plane. You know what he saw? He saw me trying to get to Jesus, and I was surrounded by lots of people. He never told me how many. And I started to cry like crazy because I thought, that's it. I didn't know it. I'm trying to get to God and I'm doing all this and worship leading and Bible study leading and all this. I can't get to the deep places. I bawled that everything was coming out of my nose. I was the ugliest I've ever been. And he invited me to join the church plant. Right? That's what I came down here for. But I told him I had a year commitment. In any case, I'll come back to that story in a second. Um, just want to kind of talk to you a little bit about grief. Because grief is so important. God was opening up this grieving inside me. Where have you been, God? No, where have I been, God? Where have I been? How did I not get that? How can I be in the church, good churches, and not get that? You know, a friend of ours, Christina, who is just up here, um, she shared something, and in prayer this Sunday it came up. Let me see if I can find it. Because, you know, um, grief is a good starting block. God begins somewhere, and so for me it was that grief 
And so this is what Christina said about starting blocks. She just texted me after we had this conversation and I asked her permission. She said, I can share it. She said, very cool. When you mentioned it, I remember when I first learned how to use blocks. She's a runner. She's a good runner. Ran in high school. She still runs. It was so, so hard to get the swing of it. For a time, I was convinced blocks were a detriment to me. But I realized that was because I hadn't figured out my own technique yet. Plus, I didn't know how to overcome being in such an awkward, uncomfortable position where your fingertips are the only thing holding up all your body weight against gravity. So I'll just stop immediately. I think about all those meetings I was at and your eyes are on God, but you're always so aware of everybody around you. It's uncomfortable, isn't it? Instead of putting all your weight on your fingertips on God. Plus, she said, most runners intentionally try to distract and intimidate each other while getting in the blocks because everyone knows if you have a faulty start, you're at a disadvantage. So much happens in those first seconds leading up to the gun going off. I've never had to be so focused on a task before in my life. I have never had to be so focused on a task before. I want to say... We could go home on the sermon right there. Do we want to get to the spiritual places? Do we want to get to the real delight of God so that we can have real delight and real happiness? We have a focus that God wants to give us now. I just want to stop right now, Holy Spirit, and I ask you, Lord, you know I'm the most distracted and distractible person. So I thank you right now, Lord God, that you're going to give us a focus that helps us to be like last week, only one thing is needed. Only one thing is needed, especially now. So we thank you in Jesus' name. You're giving it now. Amen. So anyhow, back to Michael. He began to teach us how to hear from God. Now, meanwhile, just I just want to clear that out. I thought I'd never be married. No, I did not go there for Michael. I literally thought this is the end. I was the eldest person. I was the only one tithing. And I thought, that's it. But I don't care. God put me here. So when God, when Michael taught me how to hear from God, my whole life changed. And one day I had my breakthrough. And my breakthrough in my quiet time was this. Cindy, the Lord was speaking, you have no hope. I'm like, not like you have no hope, like there's nothing I can do for you. But like, you don't have hope. You're hopeless. And I'm like, that's so true. So everything I did was to prop up my life. That's why I was scaring myself all the time because I had no hope. If you don't have hope, you don't have real learning. You look at children, you look at us. I don't have much hope in technology anymore, so the kids laugh at me all the time. I'm like, I don't know how to, what do I do with this? And they're, like, they're laughing, huh, I used to work at JPL because I don't have much hope in technology anymore and all the little gadgets changing around. But God's working on me for just the right thing. But the point is this, we need something under us to hold us up in hope for anything we're going to do. Or otherwise, it will not be from God. It will be out of fear. It will be what Psalm 40 said, burnt offering and sacrifice I do not want. You know what burnt offering and sacrifice is? It's the beginning of the plan. And so that's what Israel had. And they, were, they did it. But it was supposed to take them deeper. It was supposed to take them beyond that. The problem is a lot of us, we keep going to it. We live on a superficial relationship with God. Many of us do it day to day. We slip in and out of it. I did not have real hope. You know what faith is? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. If you don't have hope, you don't have faith. But faith comes through hearing. Note that it comes through hearing and hearing from the word of God. So faith is a substance of things seen. It comes by hearing. Did you notice Psalm 40? Let me just go back to it again. Psalm 40 says in verse um, 6, you open my ears to listen. We're talking about a new kind of hearing today. It's, it's always there, but it's about an instrument that God wants to open up today in us deeper than we ever have before. We are the ones that he's been preparing for for 14 billion years. We're spiritual, though, at the heart. We're not physical. We're spiritual at the heart. So we need a whole... 1993, Michael and I were married. 
Um, and I said, oh, I thought we'd ne I'd never marry. But in 1995, we're about ready to have our first child. So now my ear was beginning to be opened. I had hope. What happened next? I began to have terrifying thoughts. Now, I oh my gosh, I cannot parent. I can't do this. I overate in Malaysia because I didn't listen to the voice of God that told me within a month you'll be pregnant. I didn't believe it. So I ended up pregnant over there. All the tests said I wasn't. So I just ate. I gained like 50 pounds in Malaysia. And because I didn't. Frightening thoughts began to come to me. And now, though, my ear is beginning to listen. And the Holy Spirit began to say to me, read the normal Christian life. The normal Christian life. I tried to read it before I couldn't. Something would just was My spirit was so closed. All I had was my soul left. That's all I had. So my soul was like, ooh, normal Christian life? What is this? This is I think it's Ezekiel. Ezekiel eats to cause problems in the stomach because God begins to do a deep work. And God was beginning to do deep work. So I said, okay, I'm going to try God. I read Normal Christian Life. That began to propel me like a slingshot Vega. That's what Galileo did. It went from Venus to Earth. Galileo all the way out to Jupiter because Galileo had failed because I think it was Columbia disaster. I hope I have the right one. I'm sorry if I had the wrong space shuttle. Took down the hope of getting it up in another way. God's into a lot of things. Whatever is going to be rolled up in Revelation, it comes to us all the time. So God opens our ears, and then the Lord began to show me. He's messing with you. Just think about what happened with Adam and Eve. Eve heard, her ears were open. And then what does the devil do? Oh, he bypasses the hearing. He bypasses everything. And he says, are you sure God said that? Because if he, he can start to gaslight you, we're being gaslighted by the devil. And so there's only way, one way back, and that is to come back to God where God will restore our hearing. And you notice what she does next? And this is really key because this is what she was missing and we hopefully will have. The instrument was there, but she didn't rely on it. She went to her eyes. And her eyes looked and saw that it looked good. It looked good. So I'm just going to digress and Zephi may not be happy with me in a second, but I just, you know. So Zephi, you guys have heard a lot about her swimming. So she was in college, and I was like, this is good. She's NCAA, and I was so excited. She was at Princeton. I was so excited. And she had her hearing going on, because we teach our children to hear. And she began, every day she's talking, and she's like, you know what? I think God's telling me to leave swimming. I'm like, no, this is good fruit. I know, this is good fruit. We work hard for this. One hour a day back and forth to Brea. Miracle after miracle. Guys, know it. No, this is good fruit. I went by my eyes. And this is part of the separation that happens between our children when they go to college, God willing, and us. Their hearing takes off differently. So I said to her, okay, what's your word? I'm going to pray. So she shared. And one of them was very powerful. I think it was from Isaiah. It's like, did I not tell you? And I'm like, oh, God is really speaking to my daughter. Did I not tell you? So I said, would you do one favor? There's always a purpose. There's always a purpose. Would you ask God, what is the purpose of it? The universe has a purpose. Our hearing has a purpose. Our lives have a purpose. What's the purpose of giving up swimming? Yeah, you're good. Wow, she came back. She came back with this amazing call. Leave your nets. That's what happened right after this, this passage up for Falcon. Leave your nets and I will make you fishers of men. Wow, that's so great. Water analogy and everything. I'm like, that's beautiful. Thank you for helping my poetic side. Yes. And so she left. Within two months, COVID began. No wasted time. This is God's child. God is more than swimming. God is more than athletics. We're now taking our children beyond what the bodies can do. Their hearts are stopping. 
One in three girls have eating disorders, one in five boys, and this is just back maybe five years ago, these statistics, one in five boys do. We're taking our children too far and they don't know how to hear from God. So the normal Christian life began to open up spiritual layers to me and a new discipleship began to happen. This was different. So in Santa Cruz, I had, and I'm, I'm very thankful for this, but I'm, and I'm saying this to show my burnt offerings and sacrifices. And God uses those, but there's a time when they're superficial. So every week, I would go to the soup kitchen, Peter Kuroda at Holy Cross. He had to train me why, when the homeless people asked to hug, that you can't do it. He had to train me certain things that I didn't know. Because my love was not a good kind of love. God does a hearing in us that is going to train us so that not only do we love others as we love ourselves, but we love as God loves them. You're all going to love as God loves. I know it. We're going to love as God loves. That means miracles, the right thing, not about us, but about God. But what is the nexus of this in Psalm 40? It says in Psalm 40, what God does not delight in those burnt offerings, not the Bible studies, not all the taking care of the homeless, unless there's a love of God that is coming through. Delight is at the core of the deep part of any person, and God has a place of delight. So it's not about you being perfect or working hard. These are superficial things, but they're necessary. It's not about you being so good at relationships that you can hold together a whole church. There's some of you out there, I know you can do it. You're that good in touch with everybody. Or you can hold together your community, or you can hold together yourself. It's not about being successful as a Christian, um, um, so everybody knows who you are, or being successful as a friend, or being successful as a moneymaker, or in your career for God. It's not about being so special to people, or doing those special things that set you apart, that you know you're special to God. It's not about being so smart. Am I going too fast? smart and reading a lot about God or getting the answer right before the other person can get it out of their mouths about God. It's not about being faithful to your community or those people you think God's given to you. Oops. That's not what God delights in. But that's not the delight part. It's not about worshiping, painting, loving well, doing the things that make you feel released from the problems of this world as if God is there but it's actually those things you're doing that make you happy. It's not about being a world changer, social justice, king or queen, and all can see it. It's not about being so cool that everybody's happy with you, especially the Christians and the pre-Christians, because that's how you're bringing them to Christ. You don't want to say anything hard because you're so cool. We're so cool. We can drink with them until we can drink them under the table. We can cuss with them until we can cuss them under the table. That's not delighting. That's not God's delight. The nexus of what God delights in is to uncover this instrument in you of hearing, and it's different from your sight. This instrument will open us to receive spiritual food, the language of God that's in communion, that's beyond English, but yeah, English talks to us too, or other languages. The true training of God will ensue only after Jehovah, who is your creator, is allowed to use all he's given to you by opening the instrument of growth, of delight in him, of moving towards him and carrying his presence to the world. So what is this instrument? How can we know what it is? And when the physical universe rolls up, are you going to see what's there? You're like, yeah, God, I knew you. That says this. Let's see if I have it here. I hope I have it. Matthew 7. I didn't tell the multimedia, but I'm just going to say it. Matthew 7 says something like this. You know, at the end, you'll come to me and say, Lord, we went to prison for you. We did all this for you. And God's like, I never knew you. I never knew you because you never did my will. The instrument of God needs to get us to the will of God. We may be doing amazing things that look exactly like another person in the will of God, but if it's not the will of God that the instrument of God has opened up, 
then we will have problems. It is with this instrument that he shows us where that dead, stinky flesh in us is being dragged around. But Jesus already crucified him on the cross. It's this instrument that he'll give us a forehead stronger than the enemies, which are strong against him and against you. Where people will say, don't do this. And God's like, you do it. I'm going to make you strong. You do it. It's with this instrument, the open ears we're talking about in Psalm 40, that he will build you up and take you to Zion. It's with this instrument of open ears that he will put the substance of God in you and not just the action of God that flee away with the light. What is it, 86,000 miles per second? There it's gone. This instrument that we enter, that the light of God, isn't that exciting? I want to dance with God. I want to go into the party with God. His delights become your delights, just as can happen between people. So let me just talk about the marriage. Well, sometimes, yeah, all of us, some of us are married. We're all talking to different people. You know the marriage course? I don't know if you've ever had a chance to go deeper to listening to another person, where you really begin to hear, hear them. Your ears are open by others, things in the garden of their lives. You let go of your own concerns. You let go of your anger. You let go of your, your pride. Or you think, oh, they've got that wrong. You let go of your agenda. You let go of on the world. That's really hard for me. Let go of your perspective. So, or you let go of the enemy's suggestion that the listening of time, the listening you're giving, the time is not worth it. The enemy will tell you not, they're not worth it. They'll tell you. Or the What's on your heart that you'd like to talk about? Now, the understanding is you can bring up hard things. And so it may be difficult things, but you've got your starting block, right? Then the second spouse opens up the place of pain in their relationship, hopefully. The first spouse then listens. They must listen so well that they can pick up the real issues, the deep issues. Then they share it back. So what I hear you saying is this, and they say it back. Is that right? And then the other person gets a chance to say, yes, but you missed this big part. Ooh, what happens? I'm changed by that. I'm changed to the fact that I couldn't get that. It means something's missing in my hearing instrument. And so it trains us. That's why marriage is really training. Having children is very training. Other questions are shared back and forth until... The two go deeper. I have been through the marriage course five times. I have learned so much about Michael. I never would have learned if I didn't go through this. But of course, God is over and above our spouse. He has a will that we follow. Do you sense any of that? Can you feel the pressure on your ears right now? Let's just stop for a second. Do you feel the Holy Spirit... Just coming into this place. Maybe yours is very open and he's showing you something amazing right now. Maybe yours is like mine. When I started, reclosed and afraid, saying, I don't know what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit, we bring you our instruments. Would you make them work? Would you open them up? Make them work. Let us do your will, Lord. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. So God is working us. He's working his will into us. In fact, it's usually better to pray before you move. Even Adam had done that. No sin. Boom. All she had to do was stop and talk to God. Remember that Jesus said this about eating. The animals in Psalm 104, they wait for their food. Jesus said this as he waited on his father. John 4, 34. 
What is his food? To do the will of God. How is our spiritual life going? Sometimes we can ask that. Am I hearing the will of God? And that makes us frightened, but we don't have to be afraid. You don't need to be afraid. We have the instrument. God's working on it. We work. He works it in us. We try it out. Somebody tells us that was really off, or somebody says, wow, that God used that, and we begin to bring it back to God. Are they right? And God opens us up further. So therefore, we abstain from our own works, or we're not really eating. We abstain from our own works so that we can eat the right spiritual food to do his will. We take commitment seriously. We keep our word if we made it. But the ear he opens begins to train us which works are God's works and which works are mine. So in 1989, when I first met Michael, and after Michael prayed for me and saw me blocked by this whole community, good people, the best friends I'd ever had up to then. I have better friends now. Thank you, Lord. The best friends I had up to now, um, it was interesting. God had told me to leave my family, even in Northern California, to come down here. So I'd given up a lot. But still, even though I felt like this was everything, I couldn't break my vow. And I want to say this. Sometimes we're willing to like do things without bringing it to God. This is like a little catch. Okay, so we all trip over different things. I can trip over this. If I made a word, I do everything I can to keep it. But we have to stop and say, all right, God, is that you? But I said it out loud, and Michael just said this is the best thing he ever could. Well... This is how he just completely released, released everything. I had a one-year commitment. That's it. He never told me to talk to them. He never told me to beg them. They release you. The next day, the new leader of the group, I had never spoken to her before. She called me, Cindy. And I, this is not how I perceived her. She worked at Disney. She was a VP at Disney. And I'm like, how does a VP at Disney know this? What kind of spiritual creatures are in Disney? Wow. So she said to me, Cindy, I don't know if your spiritual needs are being met here. Brain explosion. First time of ever experiencing anything in that church that felt like, because of me, that felt like God. I'm like, thank you. Would you release me from the, your commitment? She said, absolutely. Be free. I was gone. Amen. If we don't trip over them, but we bring them to God, God, is this, is, and I know that sometimes we can get like everything and there's, is a place of peace. We need to know there's a place of peace. You can talk to Chris and me about coffee. We've been talking about, talking about coffee recently, but I won't mention that. I went and I called out to God. Otherwise it could be a different kind of miry clay. Is this what you have for me, Lord? So can we just consider a powerful father of the faith? Um, let's just consider Moses for a second. Because, you know, when it was, the song was talking about weakness, you love me and weakness, there are a lot, there's, I don't know for me, okay, this is my favorite father of the faith I can see as weaknesses. And so I don't slander him because he has weaknesses, holy moly, no. But he's a when he would talk to God as a friend face to face, he would leave and Joshua would re remain. God used him so much, but consider that he was drawn out of the water. to begin to be able to get spiritual food, to begin to find out how can you do social justice and eat of God and do it as the will of God. The Wilberforce way, I think of Wilberforce as somebody amazing social justice, but who knew God. So after 40 years, he sees something in the distance. He sees this light. So the eyes are used by God. I'm not like bagging our eyes and telling us to go around there. He sees it and he draws near he hears God. There must have been an opening of the instrument in his life. 
as he waited patiently for 40 years. But do you know what happens next? He goes, oh my gosh, and all these insecurities come up. I can't talk, I stutter, they don't like me. Oh, what'll they think of me? Oh, I might die. Oh, this, I'm overwhelmed. God's so powerful, he's cleansing us of our insecurities right now so we can do the will of God. The Large Hadron Collider in CERN, Switzerland, how cool is that? It can get some particles within three meters, I think, per second of the speed of light. That is powerful. That's massive. And then they run those things around and boom, they bring them together. They just throw things together and see what's going to come out. Do you feel like that right now? You're just being thrown in this world to see what's going to come out of you? Different things came out of us today with this hurricane. Yeah, it feels that way, but with God, it's so precise. He knew exactly who we, what was he doing today. And so it brings out our insecurities. Some of the things that come out are just very low-level instrument, you know, like, oh yeah, that's my usual anger, God, thank you, I'm working on it, I'm getting better. Oh, Lord, that's my usual impatience, I'm working on it. But sometimes you get the precious things, and that's what happened to Moses that day. The most powerful God in the universe, better than CERN, Large Hadron Collider, collided with his heart because he had an open ear and began to say, I'm going to take care of your insecurities. And Moses was willing to go out there facing the people that probably had a death sentence on him. That's so cool. There's a really neat film that's going to be coming out in April 2024. I want to see it about Sister Cabrini. She had almost drowned and in the 1920s, and she wanted to go to China. She wanted to be a missionary. And they said, no, you're too sickly. You can't. But then I, one of the, the Pope, I believe, came to her and said this, but America needs you. New York City needs you. The West needs you. Don't go East, go West. But you know what? She had so much fear of water. The Lord healed her. And she made many transatlantic flights, even though she was so afraid of dying. He can do that for you and me. Because God has a will and a purpose. And that's what he wants to do. It will delight him. So this opening of the ear begins to identify new things about Moses, just like it did for us. I think that's why I didn't find my way near to God. But I just worked on the burnt offerings and sacrifices initially. It's easier to not feel insecurities. It's easier not for God not to bring out what's there. But one of the most interesting things for me about Moses is this. I think this is so fascinating. It's almost hilarious. You guys know what I'm talking about? Is there something really funny about Moses, that story of the Red Sea? You know how like just before it opens, there's that whole strategy. So we got to hear because God's got strategies. You may have strategies, your five-year plan. Oh, God has strategies. So what he did is he, he said to Moses, okay, look. I'm sending you over there to the marsh, and, and Pharaoh's going to think you're lost. He's going to think, who is this God? Who is this Moses? They're so God's me sometimes make us do things that make us look so stupid. But I will use this to trap Pharaoh, and you'll never see him again. So he goes there. Oh, the Egyptians come. Then God says, okay, move. Right, the time for moving sometimes comes. How is our, how are our ears? So let's check Moses' ears. You remember what happened? He goes over the Red Sea and he stands there. Deer in the headlights. He says to the people, be still. God's going to take care of it. Be still. And God asks a question. Have you ever had God ask you a question? I have. God said to him, what are you doing? What are you doing? Raise up your staff. Eyes, even as we, God's developing us, our eyes sometimes will cause us to be overwhelmed. That's why you notice Michael. You know, he, he comes out partway during worship. He is so working on that focus, I pray for all of us, until he sees God. And then he comes out.
fixed our house. And as some of you know, there'd be no church if this miracle of our house had never happened because we would have had to move. We could never have afforded to live here. Never. We had no money. What some of you may not know is that we, ref- we would refinance it at times just to be able to make ends meet, like for kids' college and stuff. God was so good. I was taught never to do that, by the way. So this is God that I was willing to do it. And I can tell you that's another story. But um, we took out this money, and then the housing crisis happened. And when the housing crisis happened, we had thought, not a problem. It's X amount per dollar. We're going to add onto the house. It'll increase, and that'll be fine. really slick coats and everything. I won't tell you how much. I'm like, this is it. I stopped. Now, I may forget. Well, God, hey, well, let me just say this. Okay, I was doing my quiet time one day and I said to God, I feel really spiritually unwell. I can't hear you. And I just feel like I can't go to battle. Just some of us feel like you can't go to battle, that the horn is blown, that things are prepared, and you just, you can't go. That's a spiritual sickness that God's healing us all from. He wants to, if we enter into the light of God. So I told him that, and this is the first time I can ever remember God's asking me a question. Did you do what I told you to do? And I was like, what? What is that? That's not the word of God. And, but I write my devotions down. So I'm like, let me go look. And about two, my question four, and I, for those of you who want to know about quite four questions, ask anybody else in the church. For our fall con last year, we did it. So you can listen to that online also. I found that God told me to do this thing. I never, ever got it. I was traumatized like Moses, traumatized because God told me, take the money and put it in stocks. And I'm like, no, why? Because my dad, who was a professor when I was a kid, he would also like to work the stocks. He was an astrophysicist or physicist and astronomer. They were separate at the time. Smart guy. He lost a whole year's salary. And I'm like, I'm never touching stocks. So I, um, I forgot about it, but I was so sick. I said to myself, self, you better ask God again, Michael. And so I did. So I took it to Michael and I'm like, Michael, this is the craziest thing. I'm telling you, I've been taught not to do this and I don't want to do it. But this is what God said. Would you pray about it? And Michael prayed. This is where community becomes really important in prayer. Because if you have somebody that really can hear from God, not be for you, but it's a lot of money for me. And so I thought, well, it's kind of like a college education back then. So, all right, I guess after I'm left college. So we did it. Do you know? We outpaced the interest that we were now making on that ELOC and more and more. People would call, like there were a couple people in the not something you ask another person how do you do it but we need an open ear because god knows exactly what resources you have if you have a quadrillion dollars sitting in your pocket or not he will tell you what to do for some of us we need to give it away things i gave away god told me and i needed that because then we spent a lot of money on phone bills. So I needed to not be afraid and counting my money all the time. How's the rain doing out there? Should I cut this short? Michelle says it's good. We've got somebody just checking on, see if we can go. Let me tell you another example. 
it is. Right up here one Sunday when I was in court, some of you know I had to go to court, two people prayed for me. I was terrified. Real short, they prayed. One of them prayed, Cindy, God is going to cut a dry ground. Be unafraid. You see, I didn't see it with my eyes. That's Moses. Moses had the problem he saw with his eyes. Some of you see money and you have problems with your eyes because you're like, oh my God, what do I do? It's your ears, your instrument of the ears. And so I went in, thank God, only hearing that and one smooth stone. So we went to a hearing, and this hearing, oh, well, okay, let me just say what happened. She, she was out of there because they had been, like, videoing her and had been, like, giving money to people, or people had been giving money for her husband, who was a contractor, if she would go in their favor. Yeah, that was on video. I was terrified. And, um, because this had to do with murder. It had, yet, yeah, it had to do with um, big things. Guardianship, fraud, male fraud, big things. I was terrified. I'm like this little girl. Like, what's going on in the world? What is happening out there in the 0.999% I can't see? A lot. A lot's going on. And so I took those two words. That's all I could do is hear. So I had one smooth stone. So after everything was done, I asked her, can I ask one question? It's a hearing. They were supposed to hear me a lot. I had to beg. One question? She threw herself across that big desk. Oh, go ahead, she said. Go ahead. So I said... Not knowing. I had never even read the document that we're talking about with his mail fraud. Never read it. So I'm telling you, this is such a miracle. Who's the blank? I won't tell you all the story because it, it gets too complicated. Who's the blank? Well, all the shuffle was going on. People were checking the documents and da 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 And then they gave me an answer. And I left. And that was it. I'm like, well, that was nothing. Wait upon the Lord. Wait patiently, your food is on the way and it's already coming. I got a phone call and they're like, whoa, the order came in. It wasn't what they said, it's this. It got caught. And then I began to read the document. The story is this. Whatever happened at that point, there were a lot of, I'll call them Bremsterlong radiation. That's what happens with these colliders. One thing happens and whoosh, this radiation goes out. Then you start collecting it. Remember? The animals collect, collect what God's doing. Do you write it down? We try to in daily prayer. We're missing so much. Collect it. And so all I can tell you is this. Eventually, I was out of the court. I got what I needed to get. The university and the hospital largest Medicare fraud in all of United States history, and so much more happened. What hearing from God can do is help us not be stuck in the headlights. Because God has a purpose, and God had a purpose for me in that. From here we get commissioned. Our time of commissioning is coming right now. Our time. You may be being commissioned for a new team. <clears throat> you may have something in your job. God is commissioning, but you may have a miry pit that's stopping you. Cry out to God. He will turn. problems. There's a commission for each one of us in the church. The church is meant to be a body together in this way. Psalm 40 says this. We'll go back to 6, 7, and 8. You do not delight in sacrifice and offering. I'll just stop for a second. Just to, There we go. You do not delight in sacrifice and offering. You open my ears to listen. You do not ask for a whole burnt offering or a sin offering. Here comes the next part. Here's our commission. 
Go ahead, multimedia. I'm going to let you take the lead on this next verse. There it is. Do you know how the Bible writes about you? Isn't that exciting? You do your devotion. It's talking about you. Every person's story, if you do devotion, you will see your story coming out. You write it down. You will see it. Your children will see it. They'll know your story. Then I said, see, I have come. In the scroll it is written about me. I delight to do your will, O oh God. And your instruction is deep within me. It is only at this point that God can commission us. We have the word in us so thoroughly that it lines up with what God's written about, about his own son. Because Jesus said this. Isn't that cool? Tammy, Roger, you can say what Jesus said. Behold, it's been written about me. Through patient waiting, doing our devotions, listening to God, receiving instruction, we will have the delight to do God's will, and that's when our real learning begins. If you're having problems, I do. I actually began for a little bit a few days ago to please God let the hurricane hit right here. I don't want to do this. And I know Michael will be, in fact, we gave it, Michael will be online. It'll be okay. Please don't make me do this. I was up every single night, as I can tell you, for two to three hours praying. I didn't want to do it. I didn't even like this word. I told God, I don't like it. So he woke me up. I think it was Thursday night. He just began talking to me about it. And I was like, oh my God, how beautiful. I don't want another hearing from God word, Lord, please. No. He's like, no, let me tell you about the instrument. I died to perfect that instrument. Because you know, it says Jesus, he was, the lamb was slain before the beginning of creation. He died for you to hear. He died for you to know the will of God. He died for you to be able to take this and like Michael, speak in a person's life to their life. Oh my God, what? That's so true of me. What have I been doing with my life? I thought it was so good. So today is a day of letting God open our ears to listen as we never have before. I will say just one more thing and then I'll close. It's from Isaiah 1. You don't have to pull it up. But... This is Isaiah 1. So it's a bit of a warning because we are in warning days. We are. I'm here to just say, be at peace, all of us. But I'm also here to say, there goes the alarms. Okay, I can hear them. So we'll end with this. So there's the alarm from God. Isaiah 1. Daughter Zion is left like a shelter in a vineyard. We are, we are daughter Zion. Like a hut in a cucumber field. Not much, huh? That's daughter Zion. Like a city under siege, unless the Lord Almighty had left us some survivors, we would have become like Sodom and Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the instruction of our God, you people of Gomorrah. And this is our commission as a church. The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me? God is saying the same thing to the people in the world. Whatever you think you're doing for good. I have so many people. Oh, I do so much good stuff. I'm going to be fine. I have more than enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you spread your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. And then just jump down. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourself clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. What does that mean? Then the Lord says this. Come now. Let's talk about what it means. Let us settle the matter. And this is our commission. Says the Lord, though your sins, and we say this to the people of Sodom and Gomorrah and Nineveh, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. But if you resist and rebel, you'll be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. It's the same word, the same word we live by, so we know it well, we can speak it well. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. Thank you for bringing us to this point that we're here, that, Lord, our ears, you're opening. We say to you, yes, Lord, it's written of us in the scroll. We surrender our will to you right now.
we surrender our will. When it was called out in worship, if you want to open your hands, sometimes that's a place of surrender. It allows our body to begin to accept the opening of the spiritual ear. Lord, open our ears. Let us be precise. Let us be a body that together resound with your word. And Jesus, may you be glorified. We entrust every person in our church to you, that you will bring them all to meet you face to face. Having done your will, not being turned back in the day of battle and not being turned back from the throne. We take this seriously. Open our ears. We delight in you because you first delighted in us. In Jesus' name, amen.